The Fake Show podcast is brought to you by the law firm of Hutchison & Stefan, the Craft House Brewery, now with two locations, the Tone Factory Recording Studio, Moonshot.com t-shirt designs, Mr. Antenna, now your host, Jim Tofty. With more than 30 albums to their credit and sales totaling more than 50 million, Jethro Tull is one of the most successful rock bands of all time with a catalog that contains classics like the one you're listening to now that still resonate today. Going Strong is an understatement for lead singer and lead flute player Ian Anderson as the band has a new album, The Zealot Gene, and a new tour to talk about. And now, full disclosure, as we recently recorded this interview, I was in the throes of COVID-19 and While I think I've edited out most of my coughing bouts, I give Ian all the credit for being patient enough to put up with me here as I had Ian on the line from the UK. So we were discussing the fact that you're going back on the road. There is a certain mental uh, sharpness that you have to get back to. Also, the tediousness of getting tested for COVID everywhere, right? Well, we did 20 shows last year. We got to be old hands at negotiating a COVID world in many different countries and doing all the testing and the vaccination certificates. The rules tend to, every every time you look at some government website, they're not quite the same. You're constantly having to pay attention to a lot of extra detail that we didn't used to worry about and toss in Brexit into the equation. Life is not as easy by any means as it used to be uh, traveling around and performing in Europe. So I am... Um, you know, I, I make sure the band and crew, everybody is primed, ready to roll. They know what they've got to do before they get to the airport. And and like I, they have mastered the peculiar arts of um, self-testing and doing all the all the preparatory work to get all the documentation ready. But yeah, it's a pain in the uh, the um, the proverbial. But uh, it's just it's not just about remembering to put your seatbelt on or stub out your cigarette before you go into a restaurant. We just have a few more social niceties to observe. The new album, Zelagine, is so great. And, and you, I know that you came up with a list of words like love, compassion, rage, vengeance. Very biblical, right? Uh, and just on a, a fanciful whim to go and do a, an internet search of examples of those words in the Bible. But originally, you know, I was just going to write a bunch of songs that were contemporary setting and about the world I live in today. But I thought it was interesting to, to have parallels, to use analogy, simile, metaphor, They're the tools of the writer's trade. So I, um, I um, made references to, to examples of strong emotions in the Bible, but I didn't set out to write a, an album based on the Holy Bible. It's just, it's just a, another layer, another element that you can introduce into that procedure, really, of trying to generate something fun out of the creative process. And um, sometimes even dark subjects, you can still have a little fun with them in order perhaps to lure people into, into a topic that, that might otherwise be foreboding if you took it too seriously and, and, and too literally. So a song like Mrs. Tibbetts, for example, which is about a, you know, a very horrific real-world event um, just before I was born. Um, I'm trying to give it a kind of a lightness, even though the horror of it is, is very real. And, and you know, perhaps one of, the, one of the ways in which it, I was inspired by it, not just by reference to the story of 
Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot and his wife fleeing the the carnage behind them and Lot being turned uh, Lot's wife being turned into a pillar of stone when she turned to look at the the awfulness of what they run away from but it, it threw up clearly the the image of um, Hiroshima and a 2,000 foot air burst over the civilian population and a topic that um, reminded me very much of um, of the the dark humour of Stanley Kubrick's Doctor Strangelove. Uh, oh yeah, um, some time ago. But uh, again, you know, by by using comedic devices or a lightness of touch, you can draw people into something that is maybe a a subject that that would probably turn most people off. Before, if, if they knew what the song was about, they probably wouldn't want to listen to it. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, and well, it's. Be- and, look, and look what I've just done. No, as a matter of fact, that is one that I was going to bring up before this because it's so beautifully produced. I, it's one that I really enjoy. Back in the day, though, putting together Aqualung, for instance, in the early 70s, was there a little bit of anxiety about the fact that, hey, what if people don't like this because we do? that was the case with Aqualung that I was not entirely sure that it would that it would um, that it would click with everybody and you know we'd had a bit of success prior to that album and I think Aqualung was the make or break it was either going to be the beginning of the slippery slope into the abyss of uh, of um, Jethro Tell remember them or it would be <laughs> a step up the ladder and, um, and I got off to a, a relatively slow start it did it, it pick up and within the next year or two became a hugely successful album around the world but it, it certainly certainly I had to think about you know this might just might not appeal to people maybe it's a little bit too singer-songwriter in places it wasn't really all a rock album lots of little acoustic moments and gentle stuff and um, but it, it seemed to work it had its its depth its variety of music its uh, sonic uh, differences track to track and uh, and, the, and the and the degree to which the dynamics you know were quite varied and some of the subject matter might have been again a little concerning because it touched upon child prostitution it touched upon religious issues it was so people you know might have might have might have um, got a little upset about some things and indeed it was the case particularly with uh, one or two tracks that people assumed was an attack on organized religion, which is not actually the case. In fact, many people that wrote to me back then and still talk about it today are people who are professionals in the in the world of uh, Christian worship. And uh, you know, a lot of priests that I've spoken to are aware of the album, and, and they, they understood what I was getting at and and, um, and agreed with, with many of the things that I that I was putting forward. I'm not really worried about whether people love it or hate it. It's just it's just I'm having fun with it. That's what counts. Well, and Ian, fortunately for us nerd fans, there's all kinds of uh, volumes of works and reissues that are out there for us. Zella Jean is out now on Amazon, iTunes, and all the usual platforms. So nice catching up with you. Stay healthy and good luck on uh, whatever the tour is going to look like. Nice talking to you. Yeah, and you too. Take care. I just love the approach that he took with this album, and it's so creative. I've heard the whole thing. It's just brilliant. 
Well, that does it for this episode of The Fake Show Podcast. I'm Jim Tofty. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time. Listen to The Fake Show anywhere on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com.